Understanding your business is critical. Understanding where you win, where you're better than everybody else, and then finding the people that can fill the gaps that you can't do by yourself or that you can't do well or affordably or on time by yourself. That's when it's time to grow when you can't do all of those things by yourself. At JSB, when you started, you had 16 people. Yep, and sweet now, 16. And now it's roughly 200, right? So things you were doing when you had 16 team members, are they the same things you're doing now at 200 team members? No, I cannot continue to do the same things that I did when we had 16 so what are some team things, members. Like what are two things you did when you had when it was 16 team members? Versus now that it's 200. Like, like that you don't do, that, that you did at 16 that you don't do now. And more than likely you won't do because you're, because you're, building, you're building a system. Right. So it's interesting that you say that because just yesterday I was sitting there doing something at the desk and I was like, is this the best use of my time? Should I really be doing this? And I had to stop myself because it wasn't. And it's easy to get caught up in the track of the trap of, well, I'm doing something right. That's going to move my business forward. But as a motivated entrepreneur, as a entrepreneur of excellence and entrepreneur who executes, the focus has to be more on long-term. The focus has to be on sustainability. The focus has to be on how do I help lead this organization from where we are to where we can be. So the first part is that understanding what the potential is. So what's something you did when we had 16 team members that, like, you, that you don't do now? Or you probably I try not to do as much. Like I would answer the phone. I would answer the door. I make my own let's appointments. Get, okay, you may, but let's get a little more granular because answering your phone calls and doing some stuff at the desk, people be like, yeah, you know what? That's what I do. So yeah, team, but that, that may not be the best use of your time if somebody be, else but, can do that and filter but through boil and it, then you but, focus on... Getting that Let's money. boil it down to somebody who has, you know, two, two, three, maybe five, 10 team members. You had 16. Mm -hmm. They're all out in the field. So things would go wrong. People don't go to work. And sometimes you did what? Oh, sometimes I go and hold posts. Right. So you went. So now you have 200 approximately. Do you hold posts now? No. When, when's the last time you would say you, you went and held posts at a site? Well, I mean, like outside of like a big forget when we go like, to events. We just facing go, event. We just go. We're um, just there. Like legitimately, the guard didn't go. The NBA. It was it was two years ago at the NBA. A guard didn't show up because she said it was her birthday. She forgot she was supposed to go. Oh, that's that's different. You talking about at that special event? No, no, no. Remember the time old girl was like, "I'm not coming in because I'm not at home and I can't get to the job." I was like, "Oh, I'll send an Uber for you." And then she was like, in, oh, in New York was, or New Jersey? It was in New York. And she was oh. like, oh, I don't have my uniform. And she was scheduled to do a double. I don't think, I think that was longer than that. No, no, it was two years ago. It was two years ago. And so I was like, I bet you ain't going to show up. Forget you. Like, you're not going to mess up my contract. So right. I got in the car, drove to Midtown Manhattan, got my ID, and I went to the NBA and I clocked in and relieved the guard i was doing the patrols now granted it was a sunday so it wasn't like the full staff there it wasn't prime time it wasn't prime time um you know while i was there i was reading the logbook like oh this is what they're doing here okay we need to step this up and then the guard who who had booked out she came at one o'clock and then she was right, like for the next shift she 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 called <clears throat> and she was like um 
But first of all, she didn't recognize me when she arrived at the job. Right. And then so, she was like, Miss Johnson, what you No, she was like, I'm I'm the guard who who's my where's my relief? And I was like, Ma'am, you're relieving me. She was like, What? Oh, wait. Miss Johnson, is that you? Like you ain't come to work? Somebody had to come to work? What? Right. So two whatever plus years ago, whatever it was, you went and held post at a site because some somebody in 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 the team one the guard didn't do what they were supposed to do two the manager didn't do what they were supposed to do and maybe one of their field supervisors didn't do what they were supposed to do that they got pushed that far up so now at 200 looking back on that would you say if there's nobody else to go you would go whole post again it it depends i mean like for us just in general. I'm not talking about extenuating circumstances. Guard bangs out and they're like, we're, we're, the manager's like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to find somebody. I'm struggling, but I'm, I'm still looking. You're going to be like, hey, I'm, don't call nobody else. I'm going to go hold the No, post. I'm not going to say that because I really right. want to encourage people to try to be problem solvers and fill, figure out the solution for themselves. So, it, it, And then at this point in time, if you look at it, do you see it as a plus or a negative with you going into doing those different roles? No, in terms of where we're trying to take the business, that's not the best use of my time. That's not right. some, that's not what I'm trying to so do. So clearly it's, we're, we're not saying that you should not be involved in your business and do what you got to do when things go sideways, but you have to get to a point and you can jump in at any time. You have to get to a point in your business's life cycle Mm-hmm. to say that you literally you have to draw a line in the sand and I'm going to use that 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 I guess metaphor you have to put your foot down draw a line in the sand and say when when is enough when does it stop because as long as you continue to do it like if something if, if I'm running the bakery and I'm like oh the guy didn't come in today okay I gotta go bake or we ain't gonna have no products right. I, I totally get that right but then while I'm baking that day and 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 all of you are know can relate to what I'm talking about. Right. You go in to cover for that person, and while you're doing it in your mind, you're pissed. You're thinking like, I'm gonna fire them, I'm gonna suspend them, or this, that, and the third. You're thinking of all these things because you're annoyed that now you have to go do it when they're supposed to do it, especially if like they don't come to work for some BS reason that you know about. We're not talking about legitimately something happens and somebody has to take time off. These things just happen. Those are like one offs. Right. But if it's something that's happened on a regular basis and you continue to inject yourself into that, are you really, and I don't even want to get into the, the conversation where people say, is that the best use of your time? I just want to be clear. Are you, what you're doing is, are you focused on what's going to grow the business? Because what you're doing is just taking care of that immediate need. Yes, you need to, I need to bake the, the bread so mm-hmm. we can sell and make revenue that day. Mm-hmm. But is there someone else that can do it? So that time that I'm like really emotional, upset, what needs to be happening mentally is while I'm baking that bread or I'm filling in for that team member and I'm slightly annoyed about it, strategically, I need to be thinking, how do I prevent this from happening again in the future? So if that person doesn't come to work for legitimate or non-legitimate reason, what is the backup so I don't have to do it and I can continue to focus on getting new clients or doing this that's going to grow the business so i'm gonna flip it on you just briefly briefly flip it. You, you when we started delivery at the soapbox you were our second delivery driver and i was the first i thought old boy was going no first. he was the second i was the first oh he, we did it to get like i did it first and then we did it together because remember he left and came back 
we didn't start doing delivery until he came back. Okay. But that's a that's a whole another episode. So and when you some. were when you started as our first delivery driver and you did that for like the first year or so. Yep. Like what did it take for you to change your mind and be like, yo, like we gotta do something different? Well, a couple things. And like that that's a good example. I'm glad you brought that up. So I would say I would like occasionally I'll still do like one offs here and there. Like I'm at the store, something goes sideways. I'm like, give me it. I'll take it real fast. But overall, like running eight hours plus to, to, to do a route. It came to a point where when I looked at the numbers, I was like, the business is not going to do any more than what I do. So if I'm doing deliveries, we would do something. I would do the morning run, and then we would come to the office, leave the office, and then I would go and do the evening run. And eight out of ten times, you would be with me sitting in the car. And I'd load up real quick at the store, do them all, then we would go home and start it all over the next day. Mind you, if I was sitting in a car, that means that's probably something I wasn't doing here. Right. So it was it was causing us not to get stuff done. In two businesses. At two businesses. But that's two more episodes. So... One day, it, I just stepped back and was like, one, what the f- am I still doing deliveries for? That was number one. And I'm not saying it from an aspect like, I shouldn't be doing deliveries. I'm, I'm too good I'm for too deliveries. I'm too good. I should no, say, I should, I'm all. too good to be doing it, blah, blah, blah. Because I, like, you'll hear me, practitioner. Like, you should know the different things in your business. But the question is, it's a difference between knowing them and then constantly doing them. So it got to the point when I looked at the numbers and I just sat down and looked. And I, like, I sat on the couch one day and was just like, if I continue to do this, where does the business go? Like, if, if I don't go to work, if I get sick or I don't do this, what happens to all those deliveries that day? And then that's when old boy came back and I was like, bro, you, you're going to start doing deliveries with me too. So part of your job is you do deliveries and then you run this part of the store and you do this. And he was like, cool. So he would do deliveries in the afternoon. And then we were doing them together for a minute. And then I switched up the route and then let him do them solo. And then I went and looked at the numbers and then it hit me. And then I was like, I need to get more capital so I can burn enough cash to hire the drivers to build up the revenue. And then when that changed, life changed for me at the box. Because now I went from constantly being in the car, going from here, going to there. Now I'm standing back and I'm watching them load the car. And I was like, wait a minute, you shouldn't be loading that way. You should load this way. Or just to be more efficient. And it was from two perspectives, from being on the outside looking in at them doing it and then having the firsthand knowledge of doing it myself. Mm-hmm. So maybe, should I have done it for a year? Probably not. We're talking experience-wise. Mm-hmm. But how long you have to do something in your business, I can't speak to that. You can't speak. None of us can speak to that because only you know your numbers. Do you know your numbers? Like, you should know your numbers. And I'm speaking from a place of experience. You should know your numbers to the penny. You should know if, if, if we'll have to do a whole nother episode of right, like I'm knowing not your numbers. Detail, looks but like. I'm like, you should know them. Like, and you should like, if you're running a bakery, you don't need some complex. <laughs> it should be flour cost. This water cost. This sesame seeds cost. This gas cost. This electric rent and labor and figure out what it costs for you to make one bread. So, I'm going to make it more practical, right? So for for folks out there who are trying to decide whether or not it's a good time or when would be a good time to hire someone to work for you in your small business, the first thing that I would say is what do the numbers say, right? 
Like, yeah, what are your economics? What What are the economies of what you're doing? So say that the average small black business makes $56,000 a year. If you That's what they said in those numbers. Something like that. Then well, what that would, if, if you're in a solo entrepreneur, Five. what that would equate to is that your time on average is worth $26.92 per hour. Because you're talking about 2,080 hours. On average. Or, what is it? 2000, yeah, 2,080 yeah, 2, hours, hours a year. Right? For, for a 40 50, hour. For, for, 40 hour week, full time, yeah. 52 weeks a year, right? And so is your time more or less valuable than $26 and 92 hours, 92 cents per hour? If you could pay somebody 15, 16, 17, $18 an hour, even with a markup for your payroll taxes and fees, that's still less than $26 and 92 cents. So that frees you up to spend time on more valuable, more those those activities that are going to increase your revenue, bringing more money. But Jessica, I can't I can't afford to hire someone. Yeah, you can't afford not to. That's what they're going to say. I can't afford to hire. So someone. the first is what do the numbers say? But my question is, do you really know if you can't afford someone? Well, that's a whole other. Uh, no, episode. I'm saying, but you're saying know the numbers. That's why I'm know saying the numbers. Do you really know if you can't afford somebody? The second thing is, are you being challenged? Right, because if you could do something very easily, then more than likely you're not being charged challenged mentally, and there's room for you to stretch and grow to be more productive and more efficient in your business. So, right, doing the deliveries, that's pretty mindless for you. Right, you look, you see where you're going, you load up the car, you go to the place, you take it upstairs. You don't really have to think about that when you come out of making the deliveries and you're thinking about how to optimize the delivery system. How do you plug in the app? How do you best utilize the technology that's available? How do you manage the schedule of the people that you have that are doing the deliveries so that we get the, the greatest amount of coverage? That's what you think about. Are you being challenged? And then number three. Or are you maximizing what you're doing during that time? So like I, when I did deliveries, I didn't just do deliveries. I said I looked and said, if I'm spending this much time in an hour going to six to eight different residents, depending on how far I had to go within an hour, what else could I do within that time that could help grow and maximize the business? So one of the things I did was made sure that I did marketing while I was doing deliveries. So if I went into somebody's apartment building, let me tell you something. I littered that building with flyers. Not littered. You gently placed marketing collateral to encourage people in that building to use our services. Nah, I lit it. Like, I lit that place up with pink flyers. We had the door handle. I run down the hallway real quick and put them on. I'll be looking at the clock because I knew I had to be at the next delivery within a certain amount of time. And you try not to get tickets. And I was double parked outside or parked in somebody's driveway. So I'd be hustling. And if they on the, like the fifth floor. You best believe when I would go down the elevator, I would hit four, three, two, one. They stop on the fourth floor, I run out, I hit a couple doors and then jet right back into the same elevator. So I could, maybe I didn't get them all, but I would get at least enough apartments in that radius of the elevator. So when the door opened and you know before the door closes back, whatever the time limit is on the elevator, I don't know, 20, 30 seconds, 20, 30 seconds, I was sprinting. I hang them up and then I run back and do the next floor until I get to the lobby. And then the lobby, I love the lobbies. Especially when they had the mailboxes right there in the side. So you could just walk up to them in the lobby. But anyway, right. you you maximize what else you can do while you're doing that thing. That's or when you're not doing that thing. Yeah. Right. And then the, the last consideration or very high level consideration when you need to decide whether or not it's the right time to hire employees for your small businesses. 
what are your peers, your competitors doing? If I were to look at the other presidents of local security guard firms, are they going to hold posts? Are they doing the training? Are they doing the hiring? Maybe, maybe not. The people that are doing those things, are their businesses where I would like my business to be? Well, are those local ones smaller or larger? Well, I'm just taking every, well, I'm no, taking it all. You got to take that into account because if they're smaller and if we, we talked about this before, if we look at the statistics of security guard firms here in New York, that we looked at that number, it, the numbers of it's like, it's a small population who are in a certain demographics that have <clears throat> more than what was it? 50, empl- 50 employees and gross uh, over a million dollars. The number was like, what is it, 8% or 10%? It's probably smaller now. It was over it, 5 million. Right. There's got to be less now because it's- But that wasn't New York. That was- North America or something yeah. like that? Right. I mean, United States, sorry. Um, not New York. You're right. But you you, you want to be mindful of who you look at. And we talked about this in other episodes right, about- Right, but what I'm coming, saying But if is, they're smaller than me, do I really want to look at what Well, you want to look and see what they're doing because maybe you don't want to do I don't, that. Okay. Boom. That's a point. I don't want to do it. <laughs> what, 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 the, what my man said, he said, if you want to be in, in the top 2%, just do the opposite of what the 98% are doing. Like, And that, that's like some real. My brother and I have a running joke. I will not put this relative on blast, but we have a relative- and every time they say something to us about business, my brother and I look at each other and we be like, just do the opposite of whatever they say. Mad and it disrespectful. Wor- and it's mad disrespectful. Mad disrespectful. But guess what? It works. Like, they'll, they'll get on us and be like, y'all should be doing this, that, and the third. And we look at each other and we be like, yep, you're right. We leave, we be like, okay, do the total opposite of what they said. And it works every time. It works every time. They're like, oh, you should be doing this. You should you should be going in there every day. You guys need to be doing this in the business. And we'd be like, okay, yeah, that's great advice. Yeah, we're going to do that. Then we go back and we write everything down. We'd be like, so if they said we need to be there 20 hours a week. We're going to go there 10 hours a week. And we're going to figure out how we maximize X, Y, and Z. Right. Yeah. So you want to eat, like, be careful. Like, you want to be in the 2%. Do the opposite of what the 98% is doing. So Johnson Security is participating in the Salesforce Black-Owned Business Mentor Sponsorship Program. And um, I had our first meeting with our our mentor, Chris, who works in the Chicago land area for Salesforce. And he gave me some great insights into some next steps we can take in terms of sales processes, in terms of automating our sales and using technology to grow, but even in terms of hiring the right employees, in particular for our business development, what he suggested is that we think about the clients that we currently serve. Right. And the one area of business where we think we do it better than everybody else. Focus on that. Look at the person that we have the strongest relationship there. Right. And then he said, Look at that person's LinkedIn profile. Where did they used to work? Who interviewed them? What other places might be trying to lure that person away? What introductions can that person make? When you're thinking about who to hire for your team, those are the kind of people that you want to have on your team. Now, you might not be able to make that your first hire, but you want people that can help you get into the accounts where you want to do more business. People that have experience that you may not necessarily have. And they don't have to be very seasoned, right? You can you can invest in you you can invest in potential and get great returns. Sometimes you just gotta roll the dice. You don't know until you start. But understanding your business is critical. Understanding where you win, 
where you're better than everybody else and then finding the people that can fill the gaps that you can't do by yourself or that you can't do well or affordably or on time by yourself. That's when it's time to grow when you can't do all of those things by yourself. So if talk you're saying myself, when you can't do all myself, those things by yourself, you got to grow. So for real. I'm just waiting for you to finish dropping your ying, bars. Ying, ying, ying. So you go from 16 to 200. Yes. There's a different management style that is involved with 16 team members versus 200. Why are you screwing your face up like that? A couple of things. Go ahead. How, how are you able to manage more people now so than at 16? We, I think if you go back to an old episode, we talked about managing versus leading. Like, I think okay. that you really manage processes, but you lead people because it's not like it's not like a person is a rotor, right? Right. Before I can manage anything, I have to manage myself. So self-management versus managing your team. Right. Because then as I continue to walk, I thought about what it means to manage a team. And I became conflicted because I'm, when it comes to people, do you really manage people or do you lead people? Because I think those are Dep two Depends on the type of people on your team. <laughs> depends on the type of people on your team. You understand that leadership comes from the top down, but it's the people who are most closely working with the folks who deal with the, the hands-on work that really impact their work the most. So you have to lead by example. You have to demonstrate the values that you want to see. You have to demonstrate the work ethic that you want to see, but you also have to make sure that you're in consistent communication with different levels of your organization. So when we went from 16 to 20 to 40 some, um, it wasn't overnight. We, we brought in somebody that could kind of be an intermediary so that I wasn't always having to yell at people because people, people would get mad at me when I would correct them because they're not used to dealing with an executive and the other businesses where they worked. But my thing was like, if you're not doing it correctly, I'm going to skip the middleman and then just give you the information that you need so you can be successful so that we can all be successful. But people don't receive information like that. So I had to bring Some in people. A lot of people don't. Okay. So I had to bring in people onto the team who could manage those aspects of the process and lead people in other areas of the business so that I wasn't always forward facing because if some employees have too much access to me, they take it for granted. Like they don't see Ms. Johnson. They're like, Jessica, like, no, I did not wake up with you this morning. We are not friends like that. There's a level of respect. If I call you Mr. Miss, you're going to call me Mr. Miss back. Like, let's, let's not get it twisted. Um, and that might be something old school. Some of y'all might not relate to that, um, but it was, it was important to build out processes for different levels within the business and then have people that could lead in those different areas and then I communicate and work with them. So if I if I hear you right, it's so it sounds like you took a more decentralization approach where as we grew, there were there are team members who are responsible for this area or this particular department. And then they communicated directly with their team there. And then you work closely with them as well, as well as still being in touch with the team members who are in their in their group or under their leadership to to inspire them, to lead them. But the key was 
breaking away from what you were doing when it was 16 people and being hands-on scheduling, et cetera, et cetera. And now having someone who's a, who's a team leader, manager, whatever term we want to use, who's now so entrusting them as well as empowering them and giving them the, the, the resources they need to manage that team. So a good, a good example would be to, to put somebody on front street would be like a Mr. Perez, Jonathan Perez. Mm -hmm. He's at a site where there's multiple people managing like maybe 15, 20 altogether, give or take. And it's very complex. There's a lot of things going on, a lot of moving parts, but he becomes, he works closely with me now because there's been a change in, in our management structure on that level. But basically, he is the person that we trust and empower at that one client site that leads the people there and leads the operations there. He gets input from COPE. He gets direction from COPE. He communicates up to COPE. But ultimately, he's responsible for... Um, he's, he's running he's, he's running, running his own right. little business system right. at that site right where so trust and empower are crucial right at any point in time even if it's just a matter of the person that you're going to hire to sweep the floor you're in tr- you have to trust that they're going to sweep it in a proper way and that they're going to get the results that is a clean floor that you're looking for and then you have to empower them you have to give them the tools and resources and let information them know it's, they it's need. not just about give sweeping them a map, the floor give them a broom Give them a dustpan and then let them know why it's important that you have a clean Is it really about sweeping the floor or is it about you're in charge of the image of our business when someone walks in here and sits in this chair or sits at this table and when they touch it, it's not sticky. Or when they walk by the building, they say, well, wow, this is is the cleanest curb on the block. You ever look at some of those buildings, you go through the city and you see early in the morning, the guys out there with the hose washing the sidewalk down and they scrub it and people are like, He's washing a sidewalk. But when you look at that building sidewalk or that property sidewalk compared to the ones next to them, they got old bubble gum stuck to it or it's trash in the gutter. It has a it has a different feel. It has a different aspect. Mm-hmm. So it's not just your job, Jim, is to sweep. Make sure you sweep and keep the floor clean. Mm-hmm. Jim, you're in charge of our image. Mm-hmm. People come here and, and sit down. And they see dust in the corner or they go to touch something on a table that you know we don't use frequently and right. they're just like oh my hands are dirty right. like what does that say about what goes on here so it, it's like you said empowering them but two leading them the vision like this i'm lead jim this is the vision it's not about just cleaning it's about the brand it's about the image it's about when someone comes in here and they see it and they be like wow this place is immaculate it sends a message So as you're thinking about whether or not it's time for your business to grow, whether or not you should still be the only employee, think of this quote from Booker T. Washington. Success is to be measured not so much by the position that one has reached in life as by the obstacles which he has overcome while trying to succeed. And one of those obstacles can be just finding people to trust. Um, Our vice president, Kamala Harris, and my sorority sister, she said, my mother would look at me and she'd say, Kamala, you may be the first to do many things, but make sure that you are not the last. That's why breaking those barriers is worth it as much as anything else. It's also to create the path for those who will come after us. So understand, you may not want this, but as business owners, it's our Well, responsi- I would hope they want it because they started Hold it. Hold on. It's our responsibility to create paths for others, and that includes the path for employees. So if you only have one, let's figure out how to increase that so you can build a path 
not just for yourself, but for others on your team. So you go from a business of one to a business of 10, and then your revenues, not just gross, but net revenues, we want to increase along with that increase of team members. As we close out this episode, the one thing I want any black business owner on this, watching this episode to consider is how to increase the number of employees you have by one and how to leverage that to increase your revenues. The economic development that the black community needs is not going to come from the outside in. It starts with us. So if we're about wealth creation, if we're about sustainable finances, if we're about generational wealth, then we need to create the jobs and the economic opportunities that will get us there.